Good morning, Northern Hills. Hey, it's good to be with you here this morning. We are uh, celebrating a big day around here, and that's Ugly Sweater Sunday. Absolutely. Some of you are sporting it, and you're sporting it well. I'm just saying, some of these sweaters are so creative. Love that everybody participates uh, with us. Hopefully you on uh, that are watching us online are joining us as well in that Ugly Sweater Sunday. I want to welcome us also to the third week of this teaching series called Songs of Christmas. And so welcome those of you, again, that are here in person, of course, online. We hope it's not your last time joining us at Northern Hills Church. How many in the room are ready for Christmas? Yeah? Lots of noise, lots of excitement with that. Uh, guys in the room, men in the room, you still have one full work week to get your Christmas shopping done, okay? And you know, you know I'm calling out some of you because I'm going to see you at the same stores that I'm shopping at as well this next week. We're going to run into one another and uh, keep each other accountable, make sure we're nailing this. But some of you are way ahead of it, uh, already done with your shopping, already for the holidays. Many of us love this Christmas season in all the things that it brings. Many of us love the Christmas lights that we're engaging with in our neighborhoods. Every neighborhood, I believe, has a Clark Griswold. All right, that Clark Griswold is the one that's setting up the lights, uh, doing all the things in the yard, all the things on the house. You may be that person in your neighborhood. My kids wish I was that guy in our neighborhood. Every time we drive by a house and they're like, look at, look at their lights, Dad. Why don't our lights look like their lights? And all I have to tell them is, I don't know. And then I ground them after they ask me that question. Because that's not, you know, just dad's not going to do that, right? That's what they know by now. But many of us love Christmas. We love the lights. We love the Christmas music. We love the whole deal. It brings me back to a memory about 20 plus years ago when I was working at an organization. It was a parachurch ministry. And I went to an event that was either at a church or it was an event that was tied in, I can't remember specifically, to the organization I was working with. But ultimately, I went to go listen to Christmas songs. And then at this event, they would do like a dramatic rendition after a song was sung. They would, uh, after a song was sung, they would uh, speak to that song and, and talk about it a little bit. And it was the first time I can remember 20 plus years ago where I was engaging within a, a, an event, a Christmas service, if you will. And I was really, it was really tying in the Christmas songs with the Bible. And that was new for me. That was new for me because I didn't grow up in the church. And so I didn't, I, I knew I was familiar with these songs. I knew some of the lyrics to these songs, but I didn't know the depth of where those were tied in to the power of Jesus and him coming to this earth and, and the power of the gospel through that. So sometimes, and that may sound silly to some of you, but it takes an event or it takes a, a setting like that to really take in and connect lyrics of things that we sing all the time, especially this time of year, with the story of Christ, with the power of the gospel. And that's why we've had this series Honestly, that's why we've been spending time here over the last three weeks, is just to dig into some of the songs we know best, but maybe understand the least. That's why we've been spending time week to week, uh, because these are all songs that we're engaging with during the Christmas season, but perhaps we've never really had the opportunity to connect them to the story of Christ. Perhaps we never had the opportunity to really gospelize them and understand that there's a bigger story playing out here as we dig down deeper into these songs a bit more. Now, we just sang a song a few minutes ago, and today we're going to be spending time with that specific Christmas song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Now, just to set it up a little bit and give us a little history on this song, it was originally written in Latin, 
all right, Latin. It was given the title, Adeste Fidelis, which I gave you some Latin this morning. I gave you some Greek last week. I'm fluent in multiple languages, okay? That's just how I roll, right? But what, can I, um, what, what we know about this song is that it was created by John Francis Wade, who was an 18th century hymnist. And it got translated into English in 1841 by a guy named Frederick Oakley. This is where we get, O Come All Ye Faithful. It's a song that we sing during the Christmas season, but it's a song that has stood the test of time. It's been sung throughout the ages. Now, maybe you're a bit like me, or maybe this is just me, and I'm bringing you into my world for a little bit. But when I hear this song, and especially at the beginning of, O Come All Ye What? Faithful, joyful, and triumphant. I don't know about you, but initially hearing those three key words, it can feel a little daunting. It can feel daunting. Faithful, joyful, triumphant. And I think the reason I feel that is because for many of us, we feel anything but that during the Christmas season. We feel anything but that. We're going through life, especially in the year 2021. I think we're coming out of something that's been crazy for us in 2020, and yet we're still in that in some form or another. Oh, come all ye faithful. Some of us are like, I don't think that's telling my story. Maybe God's called me to do something. Maybe God's called you to do something. And you found out in your life that thing he called you to, you stepped out in faith on, but now that you're in it, it's a little bit more overwhelming than you first expected. I don't know if I'm going to step through with what God called me to do. And so you're just struggling with this faith issue. But it can go beyond a faith issue. Maybe you're just going through a faith trial right now. And that faith trial is the thing that's causing you to question. So instead of faithful, oh, come all ye faithful, you're just a little bit doubtful right now. What about the joyful side of things? I don't know about you, but I can be sucked out into a room and that joy that was maybe in that room can be sucked out relatively quick nowadays. I already know the Lord's preparing me. Again, I'm the guy that's procrastinator. I've waited on some of these Christmas gifts. I'm going to be in those malls. Probably lost my window for the online stuff, right? Uh, maybe a few items. But I'm going to be in the malls, and he's already preparing me for my procrastinating ways. The lines that I'm going to engage with. The chaos that I'm going to engage with. And I will be part of that chaos as well. And it's so funny because I was just going to the grocery store with my daughter this past week. And I could already tell that the Lord was prepping me because I'm the guy that's looking at the lines, right? I don't know if you're that person that you look at the lines as you're navigating. I'm going to get the quickest line, the quickest line. Oh, those two lines, they look like they have equal people. And I get in the line and I never pick the quickest line. I just never get it. I never get the quickest line. We were in the line this last week and we're in line and we're thinking that, okay, it was equal to the other. I think we're going to get out of this. And then the person in front of us starts writing a check. Who writes checks anymore? I mean, maybe some of us, right? Some of us are raising our head or thinking, no, I still write it. But I'm like, okay, they're writing a check, and they were just filling it out, and they were like, okay, it's going to hustle along. Here we go. My joy is getting a little sapped here. And all of a sudden, they're writing that check, and then they pull out the coupons. It's going to take longer. And then, of course, the coupons, and then they finally find out their price. But then there's no bagger at that line either. And so, of course, the, again, my joy, right? It's just, uh, it's just seeping out of me. My joy is gone, but I know the Lord's preparing me for what's to come. And you're going to run into me. That's what I'm saying. Some of you guys are going to run into me. You're going to be like, is that, is that Pastor Brandon? Is he headlocking someone? Like, what's, 
It's just going to happen, right? But we, we, that, that's, of course, a funny story and, and something we can joke about. But I think that silly example leads us to what we were talking about last week. Let's be fair. And sometimes the magnifying glass of, of Christmas, the magnification of it, like, truly, think about that for your life. It either makes joy abound and that much greater, or sometimes the painful, sometimes the difficult, it magnifies that that much greater. That's how Christmas is a great magnifier. What about this feeling or being triumphant? Triumphant. Say the word triumphant. Right? It's a word we don't say very often. It's a word we don't hear very often. But it's a word that many of us can't relate to. Because if there's victory behind that, if there's winning battles behind that, many of us are living in a place right now this Christmas season where we're just feeling defeated. And we feel a little defeated in our finances. Oh, I wish... I would have had this to be able to give, or I was hoping to step into some more generosity, but I have a lid, and so we can't do that. I thought I'd be in a better position heading into the new year with my finances. We were going to tackle some things. There's some of us that are feeling, oh, you know what? I don't feel triumphant in my marriage. 20 plus years in this marriage, I thought life would just look a little different. How did we get here? And so we can leave with this feeling, feeling defeated. So for me, as I dig into this song just a bit more, who is it that Jesus calls? I think we begin with that question. Who is it that Jesus calls? Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. But is that who Jesus calls? Because as I navigate, as I mind the scriptures, I don't know if it's exactly that faithful that joyful and that triumphant people that jesus calls at least on the onset what do we see in matthew chapter 11 where jesus says this come to me the call come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest come to me all you who are what weary burdened and i will give you rest who else does jesus call matthew 9 verse 12 on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Verse 13, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's good news. Because for many of us, that means we could actually look at who Jesus calls. And I think many of us would be able to rewrite the song a little bit. Oh, come all ye sinners, you weary and you burdened. And that's good news. But I'm here to share with us, there's really great news. There's really great news in Jesus because Jesus doesn't want to just leave us there. See, he calls on us as we find ourselves in this state of being weary, of being burdened, of realizing that we're in a place where we've tried everything else we know how to try in our own power, but it's just not quite working out. But the beauty, the beauty of being close to rock bottom, or if you might, your story might just be, I, I'm there, Brandon. I'm at the rock bottom. The beauty of that is we have nowhere to look but up. That we can begin to realize we need Jesus Christ. This Christmas season, we need Jesus. And when we call on Jesus, the Bible says something beautiful happens. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, has gone. And help me out here. What does it say? The new is here. 
That is the great news. And I believe God, in all of his power, I believe he wants us here today or watching online to hear that very message is that you can become a new creation, that the old is gone, that the new is here. Please write that down this morning. If you're taking notes today, just write this down. In Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, you can become a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Jesus is looking to help us become that new creation. So how does he help us along for that journey? What is he looking to help us become? Those are really good questions to ask. What does he want to do in me? How, where does he want to take me, Brandon? All great questions, and those are the questions we're going to talk about. The first thing that Jesus helps us become, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus will help you become more faithful. Jesus is going to help you become more faithful. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says it this way. Let us keep looking to Jesus. Our faith comes from him, and he is the one who makes it perfect. I love where you can spend some time looking at other Bible translations. And so that faith that comes from Jesus, there's other translations that call Jesus the author of our faith. He's the author of our story. He's, he's created all that, and so he's also the perfecter of, and working in the perfection of that story. Well, how? Glad you asked. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard. How's it heard? Through the word about Christ. Through the word about Jesus Christ. Our faith is built through hearing God's word. It builds your faith. We're building our faith by being here. I hope you understand. I hope you understand that online. This is a beautiful thing that God does in his kingdom. is just by being here, by hearing the word, it's building our faith. It's helping to grow our faith. And if you don't believe that, let me just give you an example. I recently did a memorial for an extended family member. And I wasn't expecting to do this memorial. Um... I've shared with you a little bit, again, some boundaries that I had built with my side. And again, because it was extended family, I was really surprised to be asked. But I was uber nervous. Uh, I, I, I have spoke publicly for a long amount of time, and so there's still always some amount of nerves when you do some public speaking. But ultimately, I was really nervous about this situation because I knew that there was going to be family at this memorial that didn't want me to be there. That had told themselves maybe some stories about my mom's situation and some of the things going on with the boundaries I've built. But I wanted to honor the request. I felt a great honor to be part of remembering this great man's life. But I was so nervous and I was so caught up in all of the feels in that. And so I was asking the questions that you ask yourself when you're facing this trial, when you're growing in your faith, when you're looking to step out in your faith. And I was saying, God, what are you looking to teach me through this? What are you wanting to do in my family? What are you wanting to do in me through this experience? And you get that. Many of you get that because some of you are experiencing that right now family pain that you're getting ready to enter into this Christmas. Some of the family issues that you're getting ready to enter into. Maybe it's a loved one that's lost. This is going to be the first Christmas without that person. But maybe it's not even the death of a person. Maybe it's the death of a dream you've had. Maybe that is officially being closed in your life. That, that opportunity, that that. that, that thing that you thought was going to happen, right? I think some of us are experiencing that kind of loss in a deep way. Maybe it's the death of a career. 
starting over, reinventing yourself. And I want to read a scripture over each one of us. This is a scripture that presented itself to me. And I want us, as I read it, as I read it aloud, I want us to feel this scripture because I can believe, I believe that our faith is built when we just sit in God's word. So those of you that are having that faith trial, if that's you, listen to Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. For those of you that have believed, put your faith and trust in Jesus, that new creation that lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit, when you hear those words, they're building your faith. And so I can remember the week before this memorial, I was just popping the earbuds in, trying to be encouraged through song or God's word, through, through some podcasts, different things I was engaging with. Guess what came across my path? Isaiah 43. And as God would only be able to work, as only he knows in every situation, my faith was building in that moment. Okay, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you have a plan for this. I'm trusting the stories I tell myself are incorrect. You're going to move and you're going to do some work in me and others. I'm going to be faithful to this. I'm stepping out in faith. I go to the memorial that day. I'm connecting with all of the staff, all the people you're supposed to connect with right in front of the stage. There's flowers, there's pictures, there's cards, there's memories of this great man's life. And guess what? Scripture was one, one of the cards that I would engage with. Isaiah 43. My faith is building. And my faith is building. The Lord is moving. If we just take the scales off it, we would just look with clear eyes. And what he was telling me in that moment is, I'm the Lord, your God, Brandon. I'm the Holy One of Israel. I'm your Savior, and I'm here. The waters aren't going to sweep over you. These flames aren't going to set you ablaze. I'm present, and I'm moving. And in that process, and in your process, as we hear God's word, our faith is built. And Jesus helps us to become more faithful as we dive into his word, as we, as we listen to that word and it gets inside of us and it just starts permeating in our being, Jesus will help you become more faithful. The second thing that Jesus helps us with is to become more joyful. More joyful. And we actually see joy talked about in the scriptures as a fruit of the spirit. In Galatians 5, the Bible says it this way, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, goes on to speak about a number of things, but I want us to stop there for a minute. What are we talking about here? Now, we've said this a lot here at Northern Hills. A fruit tree is good at what? Producing fruit. Whatever kind of fruit tree you are, whatever fruit that's supposed to produce, that's what a fruit tree exists to do. So you take an apple tree, and that apple tree is supposed to produce an apple because it's an apple tree. But catch this. Have you ever considered this? It's not having to try any harder to produce that apple. That apple tree can't just squeeze out that apple. And the same thing when it comes to joy, being in right relationship with God, it's not something that we produce or work towards or try on our own. That's not how that works. The new creation that we talk about, 
When you put your faith and trust, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he puts the Holy Spirit in you. And that Holy Spirit is the one that the same spirit that's living in us that has raised Christ from the dead. And so it's that spirit, please understand this, that, that permeates that kind of love and joy in and through us. Because joy and happiness are, are worlds apart. And Pastor John spoke about this a couple weeks ago. He was speaking to the song, Joy to the World. What did he remind us of? Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. The happiness fluctuates because you can be happy about a situation when a situation's going well. When, when things that make you happy are happening right now. But when you don't like what's going on right now, then that sort of determines your state of happiness, doesn't it? But joy, that comes from Christ. That comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's not part of this world. That comes from something that's placed in you by the living God. And it's put inside of you, his spirit, out of that overflow. The fruit of that spirit is love and joy. And it doesn't depend on your happenings. It depends on Jesus Christ. That's where joy comes from. So Jesus, two things. He can help us become more faithful. He's going to help us to become more joyful. And you know where this is going. Jesus also helps us to become more triumphant. To become more triumphant. Now to be triumphant is to have won a battle or won a contest. To be victorious. Catch this though. I don't know about you. Sometimes the victory in our lives, sometimes the battles we're winning aren't because of us. What do we talk about? Some of us, we, we don't feel like we have what it takes. We're feeling defeated right now. And so the victories and the battles that are won in our lives sometimes come from somebody stepping in, into our life, to point us in the right direction, to defend us, to have our back, and to get, us pick, to get our eyes on the big picture. And I'll, I'll just share a, a funny story where this happened in my life. My wife and I, we were just recently married. We were living in an apartment, and we were re getting ready to go out on a date with one another. And so we hopped down. We are on the second floor of the apartment complex, head down to the parking lot. And somebody drives right past us, speeding in this parking lot, going literally 50, 60 miles an hour. It felt like that anyway. Almost, run my almost runs my wife down, runs me down. And so I wasn't feeling very pastorly in that moment. And so immediately I just do one of these jobs to the car, like bring it. What, what the heck is going on? The car stops. It comes to a screeching halt. And out steps Goliath, literally <laughs> Goliath. I'm not joking you. Tree trunk legs, tree trunk arms, jailhouse tats, and comes up and is starting to shout every colorful adjective that you can think of to me, right? So he comes up to me, he comes up on me, and I'm, I'm, I'm still ticked. Like literally, my, I'm defending my wife here, and he comes right up to me face to face. And the only thing that I had going for me a little bit, because he's huge, and I'm not. He's, he's a little shorter than me. And so I felt like I could look down just enough, just <laughs> enough to sort of somewhat intimidate, right? Again, I'm not pastorly in this moment. What are you doing, man? You can't be driving around like that. You don't think I'm going to defend my wife? That's exactly why I'm raising my hand. He's like, I'm going to kick your... Here we go, right? And so it's down to this moment, defying moment. I know he wants me to just push him, just push him away so he can, you know, haul off and hit me. That gives him license, all those kind of things. 
And in this moment where my masculinity, all of the things that my manhood is speaking to, getting ready to get into this huge fight with this guy to defend my wife, I see this little arm come in between us. I told you my wife was with me. She's five nothing. <laughs> but she puts the arm in between and she looks him dead in the face and she's like, why don't you pick on someone your own size? She didn't say that. She didn't say that. She should have said that. But what she said was pretty much that. She's like, why don't you just leave us both alone? <laughs> and I'm laughing now. It wasn't, some of you guys are like, wow, that would have been emasculating. It wasn't emasculating because here's what happened in that moment. For someone that had my back, someone that was defending me, it took all of the air out of whatever had been hyped up in that moment. This guy's girlfriend's calling him from the car. She's like, we were going too fast. What, get your, and she says a colorful adjective, in the car. Let's get out of here. And I calm down. I back up a little bit. And it diffused the whole situation. My wife saved my life that day. <laughs> she doesn't even know she saved my life. But she saved my life that day. The point of the story, sometimes we just need someone to have our back. Sometimes we have to have another person in our lives that has our back as we face these battles that we're looking to win in. That are looking to have this triumphant moment in our life. And I think what we have to realize more and more, friends, is that that can happen in a normal relationship. A person, a loved one, a, a, a dear kindred spirit in our lives. But do we know and do we understand that the really good news that we need to all hear is that the living God has your back. The living God has your back in the battles you're facing. In the life trials that you're navigating, he is there for you. There's a written prophecy about Jesus, and it's hundreds of years before his birth. The power of God. And it comes out in the text in Isaiah. This is chapter 9, and the scripture reads this way. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And look at the mightiness here. You want to talk about triumph? And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That's triumph. That's vic victory. That's winning the battles. We say a lot, oh, God wins the war. Sometimes we lose some battles. I don't know. I think he's winning a lot of battles, and sometimes we just don't see because all we can see is right what's in front of our face. The scripture here is prophesying about this young baby. This young baby we're engaging with. This Christmas season that we see born in the manger scene. And isn't it interesting how as we look upon this porcelain little baby, right? This pristine little environment. When we know the story of God, and many of us do in this room, many of us know watching online. When you dig into the story of God, he's born into the chaos. He's born into this crazy world from the onset. And so we see Mary and Joseph and this angelic being and this precious little baby there. But I think, I trust God's word 
teaching all of us and reminding all of us from that Isaiah prophecy till now that it's not just a little baby. This is the King of Kings. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the author of life. He's the author of your story, and he's perfecting that story as we speak, even in your trial, even in your difficulty. He's the one who has spoke everything into existence. He's the author of the earth. He's the perfecter of that. He is Christ our Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. And catch this. When we talk about being faithful, we talk about being joyful, when we talk about being triumphant, in of our own power, that has moments, and that can last for bits and parts. But we serve a God who is always faithful. We serve a God who's joyful in you and how you're made and how he's created you, what he wants to do in and through you you bring your Father in heaven great, great joy. He's joyful over you. And yeah, he's triumphant. 